It is good to be back. And if some of you don't remember, I'm your pastor. It's been a while, and I feel pretty rusty at this, so I hope you'll be patient. I'm very grateful to our leaders, to our elders, who gave Sue and I this opportunity to be on sabbatical. It's a healthy, healthy church model. It's for healthy pastors. It helps pastors be long-term. When a church gifts a pastor like this, we're in our 10th year, and we just this has just been awesome for us. And so I want to thank our elders. I want to thank uh, John Peters uh, for picking up the ball and carrying it for me all summer. He, he did an excellent job. I really appreciate that. I'm also grateful for Holly, who allowed him to do this, because that changed their home quite a bit uh, during this uh, past summer. And I'm grateful uh, to you. I'm grateful uh, for uh, this past summer, your honoring Sue and I with our 50th anniversary celebration. And um, you're you're, uh, just recognizing that. We we were so surprised by uh, the financial gift. We had no clue about that. I know there were some things on Facebook and they were all hidden from us. And uh, we're just really grateful for how God used you, and we're grateful for an opportunity to be on sabbatical. Um, my, I'll just give you a little update here. My sabbatical had several goals. Uh, perhaps the most important was physical and spiritual rest, kind of spiritual refreshment, recharge the batteries. Also, one of my goals, and this was written to the elders, I had all these are listed to the elders, writing my Harley Davidson great opportunity to recharge batteries. I rode over 8,000 miles. Reading 10 books, I gave a list to the elders and uh, had like 20 books and I committed to reading 10 of them over the summer on various topics that things that I've been wanting to take the time to read. Some of those books I've been sitting in my library for a couple of years. Some of them I just got. One of the goals was to travel and visit friends and family and uh, we got to do a little bit of that. On our, we went to Austin for the Evangelical Free Church National Conference, EFCA. And uh, on the way to Austin, we stopped in Dallas and saw some friends that we were very close to in our seminary days. And uh, it was great to reconnect with them. We worshiped in Dallas. Got to be, go on Dallas Seminary campus and be a part of a... Um, Global Proclamation Academy. It was luncheon and it was totally like unexpected and got put on the spot and um, connect with a, with a real old friend back from seminary days. Um, we, we attended the conference in Austin. We celebrated, one of our goals was to celebrate 50 years of marriage. And um, I've learned through the years, I was very slow about this, about what celebration was about, to appreciate the goodness of God and what he's done and his design for marriage. And I think marriage is awesome. And if you haven't been married 50 years yet, you walk with God and love your mate, okay? God has, I have never been more in love, okay? It's true. So that's what God can do. Um, I began to work on a, future succession plan. How long is Jerry going to be around? And what steps will we take in these next years 
to bring in the next guy. We want to do that in a very healthy way, and we want to give some thought to that. I worked on a few home projects, but not many, okay? Um, uh, one of the things I told you, I rode the motorcycle. I'd like to show you a picture. This is kind of an important uh, day for me. Uh, back in June, I got a ride to North Carolina. Actually kind of did this on the way to Austin. I took the motorcycle. We left the motorcycle in Nashville. Sue and I went on to Austin to the National Conference. Then I came back and went for a ride to North Carolina. This is on the tail of the dragon. It's one of the top five uh, motorcycle routes in the world, according to some people. It has 318 curves in 11 miles. It was, it's an awesome ride. It was on my bucket list. I got to do it. This is me going in, and then the next day, next picture, this is me coming out. Hey! And maybe that isn't worth showing. But uh, I had a lot of fun doing that, planning the trip. How long is it going to take? How much will we accomplish in each day? How are we going to do it? You know, you ride about two hours, you want to get off, and you need gas anyway. So, and Sue followed me in the car, most of it, except she didn't go to the tail of the dragon. And then there's kind of another story there that I won't tell you about how I, as soon as I got over there, I was totally disconnected from Sue and everybody, and they, didn't have, they had no clue where I was because I was in a no cell phone zone, no Wi-Fi zone, nothing worked, no GPS, had no clue where I was on the map <laughs> other than in my memory. And so anyway, there was a little bit of scare for the family because he's missing, you know, for a few hours uh, overnight, and uh, anyway. Um, so let me uh, share another little side story. I'll try to hurry this one up um, because I should probably pass on this. But So we were heading down in June, and um, we were... No, we were heading down in August, uh, late July, to get to Florida because that was one of our goals. And... Um, yeah, bridge kids, you got to go. <laughs> I told you I was a little rusty. I have it in my notes to dismiss bridge kids. So it'll be a shorter time for bridge kids. So on our second big trip, on our way down, we were headed toward Florida ultimately. And... Um, Sue was having, we were south of Rockford and Sue was having a tire issue and the car was bouncing hard like never had this before ever. And uh, so I, I've, uh, we pulled off and I located a tire shop on my GPS and it was just a few miles from the interstate. We went to a tire shop and they looked at the tire and they, I was amazed that they got, they had us in within 10 minutes on the uh, lift and um, sure enough they, dro they drove it bad tire bad belt 40,000 miles on the tires they were really good tires and now we've got to replace one no you always replace two but this is all wheel drive no you always replace four so we've got brand new tires and we were on our way the next day we're riding south of Atlanta I didn't tell you that I bought brand new tires for the motorcycle the day I left. And I'm riding on the inside lane, high, uh, going south, Highway 75, 
three lanes going south, three lanes going north. I'm on the inside lane, semi out here, semi here, semi back here, and my bike starts to wobble. First thing is, it's the grilled lines in the road. You know, the, your, sometimes your tires will get wavy a little bit when you drive a car, or what happens on a motorcycle. I wonder if it was that. Also, when you ride by semi-trucks, they create quite a draft, and they can cause you to wobble a little bit. I had three, and, uh, but it's not e any of those things, and I have to pull off, and I have a flat tire, brand-new tire. Uh, so we pull off. I send Sue off to hotel. I, um, I call for a tow. I have to wait three hours in the dark. My battery runs down. My flashers go off. Nobody can see me in the dark. And the tow truck went 17 miles south instead of 17 miles north. That's why it took three hours. They, they stowed my bike in a junkyard overnight while I was at the hotel. Next day I have to go back. Next day I have to um, get a new tire. But there are no tires in the town of 56,000 people that, will, that match this. So they have to order it. So Sue goes on. I have to stay an extra day. And the tire doesn't come. Uh, I ended up taking a tire that doesn't match and it's when I got to Florida, I found that it really doesn't match. It's biased tire, and I had radial tires, and I didn't realize that. The guy should have realized it, but he didn't tell me. So, got to Florida a day late. All of that has nothing to do with the sermon, okay? <laughs> Thanks for your kindness and patience. Um, what I want to talk about today is uh, I want to remind us about the church. I want to remind us about a healthy church. Call it Church 101. I've called it Marks of a Healthy Church. And these are things that most of you know, and we're just reminding you, kind of bring our focus back, at least my focus, if I'm sure you've been focused. I appreciate the series that John did on prayer this summer, and, and that's one of the marks of a healthy church. So let's talk about the first mark of a healthy church, and the first mark is devotion to God's Word. Devotion to God's Word. And I intended to read the passage, and I will. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Let's look at that together. Open your cell phone or your Bible, and if you picked up a Bible in the lobby, and I encourage you to do that if you don't have one, it is found on page 759. Acts chapter 2, Verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Acts chapter 2 is the day the church got started. There was no church anywhere in the Bible 
before this day. This is the beginning. In Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Peter gets up and preaches in Jerusalem where they crucified Jesus just a few weeks earlier. It was kind of a risky thing because a lot of people weren't for Jesus and Peter is one of the followers of Jesus. He's one of the disciples. Peter gets up and he preaches a sermon and tells them about who Jesus is and he calls these Israelites to repentance. And uh, he calls them to believe in Jesus. And we, we learn in um, verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The church started as a mega church, 3,000 people. These are brand new followers of Christ. Now they knew a lot about the Old Testament, but they didn't know much about Jesus. So the first mark is devotion to God's word. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What did the apostles teach? Well, they taught what Jesus taught them. Remember, Jesus said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When you make a disciple, when somebody comes to faith, they need to be baptized and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And that's what they were doing. They were teaching what Jesus had taught them. How to follow Christ. They were teaching them about the death of Jesus. This was all new. What is the significance of Jesus dying on the cross and paying the penalty for our sins? How do we follow Christ? And they were teaching these things. And they were teaching how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament. All the scriptures about Messiah, they were learning these things and they made sense. They were devoted to this teaching. They exerted extended effort. They were persistent. They made a commitment. This was a high value to this group. Um, now, one of the things just aside here, the New Testament had not been written yet. We can't imagine life without the New Testament, because it has so many answers to so many questions. They didn't have it, but they had the apostles who were appointed by Jesus. They were authoritative, and they were teaching God's Word. And many of the things they taught became part of Scripture later. Okay? Um, How important is this? Devotion to God's Word. The Apostle Peter reminds us in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. Peter is saying, we have to prepare our hearts when we come to God's word. If we want to benefit from it, if we want to understand it, if we want to grow from it, we need to have a clean heart. So if we have sin and known, and we're sloppy in our spiritual life, probably not going to learn much. But when we come with the right attitude, we can embrace God's word for growth. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Newborn babies need milk and they will cry and they want mom and they're happy when mom, they crave milk. And like newborn babies, we as Christ followers should crave God's word. Real practical question. 
do you crave? Are you, do you want God's Word? Do you want more? Do you want to grow in it? We have to crave God's Word. Colossians 3.16, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Message of Christ includes what he taught. But you know what? All the Bible is, God's, is Christ's message. Jesus is God. It's God's Word. All of the Bible is from God. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. As you teach and admonish one another. This happens friend to friend over coffee. Teaching and admonishing. You care about somebody and they're falling off track. You want to help them. You want to ask them or help bring them to follow Christ. Teaching and admonish. That's a growth group's great opportunity to grow in a growth group and to ask questions and to learn about God's word. Some people in the group teaching, maybe it's a leader, but maybe it's somebody bringing some insight to the group. Teach, you don't have to be a pastor to teach God's word. I'm going to uh, skip the next passage and ask the question, am I growing in my devotion to God's word? Are you growing in your commitment to scripture? Do you have a reading plan? You can read the Bible on version. Probably most of you know that. You can get a reading plan on version. How can you learn more about the Bible? Bill Hybels, pastor of Willow Creek Church, asked his church to read 15 minutes every day. That's a good ask. What if you read about 15 minutes every day? Or what if you read a chapter every day? If you read three or four chapters every day, you can read through the entire Bible in a year. I'm not trying to be legalistic. Something is way better than nothing. Do you have time to read the Bible? It's a choice. It's a discipline. Discipline means I do what I choose is important, which means I can't do everything, so I have to say no to some things. And, you know, how much time do we spend watching TV? How much time do we spend surfing? How much time do we spend on social media? Hey, you, I'm not against any of that. It's just, okay, where do we mark out time for God's word? Um, second, healthy churches are devoted to God's word. Healthy people are devoted to God's word. Second mark, devotion to my church community. This is also in verse 42. They were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Community is like this real popular concept today. We hear about it all the time. It's a good word. It's about sharing experiences together. Um, on my sabbatical, I got to go to my 50th class reunion, which means I'm old enough to go to a 50th class reunion. Our class president got up, which, whom I hadn't seen probably for 47 or 48 years, and talked about community. And he talked about how we had this experience of community and how important that was. And it was so encouraging to the people there that we'd gone through high school together and we can now meet and re remember those things. And that's community. Yes, but at the same time, I was, boy, they're missing some really big things here about what 
biblical community is, what biblical fellowship is. Fellowship in the Bible means sharing, and it's about sharing the life of Christ. And so you have to have a life in Christ to have really biblical community. It's for believers in Jesus. And um, it's about sharing experiences like sharing uh, time around God's word or sharing time in worship or sharing time in prayer, encouraging one another, uh, helping, admonishing, serving one another. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 say say this. um, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's stop and think. Let us consider how we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. How do you spur, encourage one another to love and to doing good? What, what, are, what are you doing in a week? It's really easy to do in marriage when you spur your mate on to love and good deeds. Especially they need it a lot. And it's pretty normal to do that with our kids. But how about the body of Christ, the church, encouraging one another to love and good deeds? And then uh, an important concept here is verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Some get tired of meeting. Some don't think it's significant. Some don't think they get enough benefits from it. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't give up meeting together. This is really important for biblical community. We need committed people. Um, it says, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. They knew the day was approaching when Jesus would return. And that was a motivation for them. Can you imagine Jesus saying something like, well, I hate to bother them, but if they don't feel like getting together, it's okay. Don't give up. Don't give up meeting in a growth group. It's, part of it is commitment to people. Don't give up on worship. Raise the bar. Um, one of the cool things, everybody values love. Everybody expects Christians to love, right? John 13, 34, and 35. This was the teaching of Jesus. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, we can sit around the campfire, sing Kumbaya. I never really sung that before, but I just... Sometimes we get this fuzzy, warm fuzzies about certain experiences, and certain experiences are good. Jesus said, love one another. He didn't say, how do you feel about it? He said, love one another. And most of you know that that the word is agape, and it's a term for sacrificial love. Sacrificial love is pretty much mostly about commitment. That's it. Commitment. Love one another. Commitment. Fifty years ago or so, 
I made a commitment to Sue to be married to her. I made vows before God. I didn't know much about it because remember I wasn't a believer back then. But I'm, I made a commitment. The Bible says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, husbands love your wives. Now women, you know that's important, isn't it? You, you like that verse. As Christ loved the church, that's a high, high standard to love as Jesus loved. It's sacrificial love. It's the very same word that Jesus used in John 13, 35. Now, I love Sue very much. Um, in the 50 years, I haven't always felt like it. There have been days where I haven't even thought about her. Don't tell her. There have been days I've been mad at her, you know? Um, but commitment to marriage isn't based on how you feel. It's about this commitment. Husbands are, how do you feel about this? Now, I understand feelings are important. The great thing is feelings have come through my commitment. It's a, love is a decision. Every day, I have a choice to decide to love Sue. How I'm going to treat her? Am I going to be kind? Am I going to be forgiving? Am I, going to, am, I, am I going to serve her? Am I going to affirm her? I have a choice on whether I love her. That is what sacrificial love is. It's choosing to. It's not, how do you feel today? Are you too tired? Have you got other things on your mind? That happens, but it's still a commitment. It's a decision. Love is a decision. Loving one another in the church is a decision also. It isn't based on how we feel or whether people make us happy or whether they get God has designed the church so that we're so different. People are going to tick us off. You know, it's like putting these parts of a puzzle together and there's sandpaper all around them and we're going to be the church. We're, the difference is we're not objects, we're people. And we get offended, we, we don't like what somebody does. And that's why... We're supposed to forgive each other, encourage each other, help each other, serve each other, be kind to one another, be tender-hearted. God is, wants to help us treat each other and have this thing called the church. It's, it's a body of Christ, and He's put us on mission. And when we do those things, He's going to bring success to the mission. It's not just about, did I like the worship today? Did I like the sermon today? You know, you have to find a church where you can plug into and you, and, and you can be a part of it. When you do, plug in, be committed. Um, Galatians 5.13. Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. You're free in Christ. Do you have to come to church? It's your call. Do you have to be in a group? It's your call. Serve one another out of love. Commitment. We need, in the body, God has designed the body for people to, to be in relationship. People encourage me. People serve me. Uh, people uh, help me. People sometimes admonish me. People forgive me. I like all those things. But then God has designed so that I need to serve the body. And I hope 
Many of you are serving, and sometimes there are a few people doing way too many things. So, is there a place where God wants you to serve? So, the question is, am I committed to God's plan for my local church? Is being at the bridge a high priority? Is being in a growth group a high priority for you? That's where you're going to find biblical community. Doesn't mean you can't find it somewhere else, but God's design is His church. There's something unique about each group. Each church has its own DNA, and God has plans for each one. And He works through us as a group, as an organism, as a spiritual organism. I think I'm going to stop. And um, I got a lot more to, um, to cover, and it would not be good for you if I covered it all today. So uh, this is a good idea. As we, as we close this morning, think about your devotion to God's plan for the church, your devotion to God's word. Um, how does God, what steps does God want you to take Um, as we close this morning I'm going to ask some of our people who know already they're going to come up and they're going to be a prayer team and if you need prayer today I want to invite you to come up uh, during the last song or right after the service and uh, people will pray for you if you if you know that you want to grow in God's word and you want prayer people will pray for you If you know you want to grow in your commitment to serve or to community, uh, if you have questions about the Bible and you would like more information, come up and ask the people to pray for you and ask people for help. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, if, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you'd like to or you'd like to ask questions, come up and talk to our team. Okay? Let's pray together. And those on the team, if they would um, come up and to the front and, uh, and join us as I pray. Father, we're grateful today. I'm grateful to be back. I'm thankful to your church and thankful to be a part of your church. I thank you what you're doing at the bridge and for... Um, the commitment that this group has to follow you. Help us to sharpen our focus where we need to. Help us to encourage one another and to love one another. Raise up people uh, where we need help in serving. I pray, Father, that uh, we can grow in our devotion to you our devotion to what you've outlined for us, our devotion to scripture where we can hear from you because your word is living and powerful because it nurtures our soul. It feeds our mind. It helps us to discern good and evil. It helps us to grow stronger. Thank you. May we be devoted to... uh, biblical community. There's all kinds of reasons that keep us 
from that. Work in each of our lives to help us to know what's going to be appropriate, if there are steps that we should take to be more involved or more committed. Thank you for your church. Thank you for what Jesus has done for us. In his name I pray, amen.